Live from the Tech Talk Studios hey. in the nation's capital and the heartland of America. It's Tech Talk. Well, it's that time of week. It's time for another episode of Tech Talk. I'm Brad Cost. I co-host the one and only nationally renowned Dr. Jay Greenstein. I call him the data doc of talk. He is the expert. Jay, you're not in your normal environment. Where are you at today? I am not, my friend. I am in Sarasota, Florida, and I am here for Kevin Christie's mastermind group. So this weekend, we're doing a whole mastermind session. We've got about, I don't know, maybe 20 or so like fantastic you know, leading edge chiropractors in this group. And uh, we're going to be doing some masterminding. Mark King, Dr. Mark King from Ocean Palpation Institute is the is the headliner. He's going to be teaching us this weekend uh, all around leadership. So I'm super excited about that. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a great weekend, but it's hot down here, Brad. Did you, uh, you know, I told you we were 111 yeah. here on Tuesday. It's cooled down. We're 104 today. <laughs> uh, but Tuesday at midnight, I, I was looking at temperature at midnight. It was still 97 degrees uh, here. So it's it, we're uh, like 40 plus days over 100 degrees. No rain. It's uh, it, it's funny. I, I filled the swimming pool extra full right up to the brim. And in a day and a half, it has evaporated almost six inches. Wow. Yeah, yeah it's just crazy hot. And uh and I don't know how much longer we can keep doing this, but yep, yeah, I uh, you probably got a little more humidity down there than we have here, though. That's that's uh, there is, yeah, I mean, can be a DC, as as our awesome guest, Dr. Loretti knows, can be humid and it's, it's humid down here in Florida. Um, but you know, I saw a post from Dr. Ray Foxworth, he's up in Maine. I'm like, I just want to be that guy, you know, he's in Orange <laughs> Beach in the summertime or in the wintertime, and he's in Maine in the summertime. He, the man's got it going on. Yeah. Is he vacationing? You know, he's a big RVer. He's the one that sort of got me into RVing. Yeah. And um, I, I, I've not heard him taking about taking big trips like that, but I bet that's what he's doing. Yep, probably. Listen, we got a great guest today. Um, yes, we do. Uh, I know you reached out to him because of a comment I made the other day. And so I, I'm real interested in, in this episode. Let's Why don't you introduce our guests and let's get started. It is my pleasure. So um, Dr. Bill Loretti is here with us today. I've known Bill, God, I probably since the beginning of my practice days, right, Bill? I mean, it was way in, we were both in Maryland and uh, and you ended up uh, you built a great practice and then you ended up getting a great opportunity at New York Chiropractic College. And then now it's Northeastern University of Health Sciences, if I said that correctly, right? That's right. Yep. And so maybe, Bill, just, you know, for anybody who doesn't know you, maybe they've had their head in the sand for the past 30 years and they don't know who you are because most people do. But maybe just give a little intro about who you are and, and what you've been doing recently. And, uh, yeah, let's start there. Okay. Uh, well, well, thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, as Jay said, I spent about 15 years in practice in, in, in Maryland in the Washington, D.C. area. Came across an opportunity to teach at was what was then a, a New York Chiropractic College. I've been there full time since uh, 2005. So I do teach chiropractic technique. I teach uh, some legal type courses. 
I have done uh, uh, quite a bit of expert witness legal work uh, as far as malpractice and billing and coding and, and issues like that. And it's always been kind of a special interest of mine, the issue uh, that we're probably going to be talking about today, the the accusation or impression that uh, that a chiropractic neck adjustment can cause a certain type of stroke. So I think yeah. we'll be talking about that in some detail today. Yes, sir. You are an expert in this area. I've read your I've read your papers and um, you just have done great work in this area and really helped the profession a great deal with your work. So thank you for that. And and let's just kind of get into it, Bill. Like um, maybe you could just share with the audience if anybody hasn't heard, like what happened? You know, what are the accusations and, and then what's the evidence around all of this? Sure. Well, the, the reason this has kind of come up in the news lately, uh, apparently a young woman in Georgia had uh, a very tragic uh, stroke following a visit to a doctor of chiropractic. Uh, so kind of to give you some background on what this type of stroke is and what, it, what, what the cause is generally, uh, it's actually a very rare type of stroke. Uh, I think about one out of about 50 or 60 of all strokes are this type of stroke. It's called a vertebral artery dissection type stroke. The issue is that something happens to one of the arteries going up to the brain, whether it's one of the vertebral arteries that actually go within the spine going up to the brain, or also in, in, in her case, apparently from what I've read, the internal carotid arteries, which don't travel through the spine, but do travel up to the brain. And what happens with the dissection is the lining of the artery, the smooth inner lining of the artery, somehow becomes separated from the muscular layer of the artery. Your arteries have muscles in them, and the muscle layer uh, basically lifts off from that smooth inner layer. When that happens, you tend to have a clot that forms, that, that, that little tear will cause a turbulence in the blood flow, and that leads to a clot. That's not the actual stroke. And in many cases, we're beginning to think that, that people often will have these relatively minor dissections that basically heal up and people will never hmm. even know it. But in some rare cases, one of those little clots that forms on that tear can break free, travel up in into the brain, eventually it hits a smaller or smaller arteriole and it basically clogs that artery and anything going downstream <clears throat> from that. So the brain tissue that's past that clog no longer gets blood flow, no longer gets oxygen, and that's what we call the actual stroke. Um, so that's sort the, of the, the... Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, so that's sort of you know the basic background of this type of stroke. Uh, it's you know you know associated, let's say, or blamed in many cases following a visit uh, to a doctor of chiropractic for a couple of reasons. Number one, we seem to see a pattern. The only clear symptom people have that indicates they're having one of these dissections is they can have either deep pain in their neck or headache in the back of their head. Now it's thought that that's ultimately what's driving them to the chiropractor in the first place. They're basically going to the chiropractor to get treated for, for their neck pain. 
and mm-hmm. the patient thinks this is just a, you know, just a garden variety, run-of-the-mill stiff neck, but actually the pain is being caused by this, uh, you know, by this actual uh, split within the artery wall. Uh, in the rare cases where the patient has a stroke following a visit to the chiropractor, probably what happens is either during the visit or right after the visit, and in some cases I've seen, uh, I've seen court cases where the accusation has been that the patient had the stroke even weeks later, but something happens to break that clot free. Whether it's the chiropractic neck adjustment, or in some cases, you know, there have been case uh, 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 case reports where people have had this type of stroke after after looking up at the stars, after going swimming, after uh, playing you know, you know, playing the violin, after having their head washed. So all of these things can uh, lead to moving the neck and breaking the clot free and leading to the actual stroke. So a few of the studies that have come out really question a few. Uh, parts of this uh, this uh, uh, this pattern let's say first of all quite a few studies now I think we're up to maybe a, about a half a dozen studies where they have actually measured the strain on the vertebral artery during a chiropractic neck adjustment that's not something we can do in living people they actually do these in cadavers they can actually put what are called force transducers that actually measure how much the artery gets pulled apart. And they sew these tiny force transducers right into the vertebral artery. And then they have a trained chiropractor come and adjust the neck of that, that body. And they can actually measure how much strain is being pulled on, on that vertebral artery. Turns out that if they take that same you know, patient now and they have the patient turn or, or they, they, they turn the head of the the dead body uh, to the extreme, that motion puts more stress on the vertebral artery than any chiropractic adjustment could. So we know that the most strain you can put on your vertebral artery now is simply by turning your head. And it wow. actually puts more strain than the actual chiropractic neck treatment does. So I tell my students, you know, in theory at least, the riskiest thing you do in your office with a patient is ask them to turn their head and see how far it'll go. That actually puts more strain on the artery than any treatment that you're, you're going to have. So that sort of is really, really showing that we're not putting a lot of strain on, on the artery. So I'm quite convinced that there's no way that a chiropractic adjustment can cause the dissection of the artery. It just doesn't happen. I, I just don't see any physical way for that to happen. So these rare cases where the stroke is associated with the chiropractic visit, I think what we're seeing is the patient had this pre-existing dissection. They're walking into the chiropractor's office with this clot sitting there, and they're just a ticking time bomb. Uh, that clot can break free again with them backing out of their driveway in, in the morning, with them looking up at the stars, them having their hair washed. And if it happens, if it happens to happen either in the chiropractor's office or, or shortly thereafter, the chiropractor is the one who, who, who gets blamed for it. Yeah, I can see why you're a teacher because you explain that so well, Bill. Um, your students at, at Northeastern are very lucky to have you. 
Um, you know, I remember back in the day we used to do George's test, right? There was some, we thought there was some level of predictability with being able to identify when someone might have a negative reaction to a cervical adjustment. How is the chiropractor supposed to be able to even identify whether or not a patient is at risk when they have an, this underlying problem? It's a real challenge. It really, really is. And, you know, again, in the legal cases that I've worked on, what it always comes down to is the quality of the history that the chiropractor takes. Asking, you know, what is the onset of this pain? Did you do anything? Was there tr and, and any trauma that seemed to cause the pain? Uh, I, the character of the pain seems to make a difference. Uh, I, you know, I tell my students there's, there, there's two big red flags that you're looking for. One is maybe a little more subtle than the other, and that's the patient will say, this is a different kind of neck pain. Hmm. Most people who come to our offices, this is not, this is not the first time that they've had neck pain, unless they've just been into a, a, a car accident. But in the patient who, who finally comes to our office, uh, after having neck pain for the last 20 years, they know their neck pain, you know, so it's, it's, it's not something new to them. Uh, but if it's something new, if it's something that they, they've never had previously, that's reason to, to, to be concerned, reason to start looking, uh, to, to start looking a little bit more, more deeply. And the other one is if a patient has the worst headache ever, if they use those words, that's a big, big red flag. That really means that you need to follow up and, and find out what's going on. So those are the two big, big red flags. Other than that, do a good history, looking for, again, any unusual circumstances, any different type of neck pain, uh, any neck pain in the absence of either a, a, a clear recent trauma or a new neck pain that they haven't had previously. Do a decent neurological exam. Uh, at the very least, again, check range of motion, t check upper, upper extremity, deep tendon reflexes, muscle strength, feeling. Uh, run them through uh, a, a reasonable exam. And if you do that, again, I think any of these you know, ticking time bombs coming into your office, you, you should catch them. But if they had no other previous history, if you did that good exam and there were no red flags, there's really nothing else you can do. And at least in theory, if it comes down to you getting sued for malpractice, if you performed within the standard of care, what a reasonable, prudent chiropractor would do, that's your defense against an accusation of, of, of malpractice. Great stuff. You know, Dr. Loretti, that was a great introduction of it. We're sort of right at a, a point. We're going to take a break uh, with that great introduction. We're going to come back. I want to dive into those with a couple of questions. And then, Jay, I'd like to get into, you know, the news just has a tendency to overblow this. I, I read this article, and, you know, the first 20 posts after it were, were you could tell people didn't read all the way through the article. And and I, I want to talk about how do we overcome some of that? What can we do uh educating patients on it before those kind of things happen. So we'll be back in just a minute with our guest, Dr. William Loretti. I'm Brad Cost, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. Come on back. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. 
Hey everybody, this is Dr. Jay Greenstein. This is Jay Greenstein. With me today is Dr. Jay Greenstein. Dr. Jay Greenstein. The world around us and healthcare specifically is changing at an exponential pace. Chiropractic is perfectly positioned like we have never been right now today to be more successful and to be more impactful for the communities and patients that we serve. There are all sorts of evidence-based guidelines that, that support the use of non-pharmacological approaches. But what I want America to know is that health doesn't come from a pill. It's our responsibility as healthcare providers to educate the community about the evidence that exists. We really need to have a private practice app, something that will help us engage with our patients in ways that they've never experienced before. The intersection of technology and quality care is where the future of healthcare is at, and I'm really excited to bring that forward in the future. Stop. Follow. Follow, follow, follow. Hit that follow button and spread the love with Tech Talk. As a Cairo Health USA provider, we're excited to work with you to identify which of your discounts are good, bad, or illegal. Most chiropractors bend over backwards to make their care affordable. Unfortunately, dual fee schedules, false claims, inducement violations, and time of service discounts can all put you at risk. And, no offense, everybody's doing it doesn't work with auditors. At Cairo Health USA, we're here to help protect and grow your practice. Just listen to our provider stats. 20% overall practice growth versus 2019. Over 50% of CHUSA patients renew their membership year after year. Over 2,500 patients per month use our provider's search directory to find a CHUSA provider. At Cairo Health USA, our purpose is simple. It's to improve the quality of life for our doctors, their teams, and their patients. With over 5,000 providers and nearly a million patients, Cairo Health USA is the network that works for chiropractic. For more information, call 888-719-9990 or visit www.chirohealthusa.com. Starting your weekend outright with the data jocks of talk, it's TikTok. Welcome back. It's uh, Tech Talk today. We have a guest with us, Dr. William Laretti, and of course, my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein. We're talking today about dissection, some issues that occurred recently in the news with a lady from Georgia that suffered a stroke after a visit from a chiropractor. Uh, Dr. Laretti, I remember in some of my training, uh, when I did my externship with a cardiologist, electrophysiologist, I actually, in the cath lab, we actually caught a dissection on film uh, during a heart cath. So we got, to, we got to slowly see it unfold, which was an amazing thing. I'd read a lot about it in, in the books. Actually, the cardiologist I was with had never actually seen it uh, in person or on film either. Uh, now, this was not in, this was not in uh, an artery or a vessel going to the brain. This was around the heart, a little bit, a lot different kind of scenario. But in this case, there was enough hemodynamic force that uh, when the dissection occurred, the vessel folded in on itself and collapsed and closed completely off. And thank goodness we had already crossed the vessel with the wire and was able to real quickly open it back up and prevent permanent kind of damage but there are a lot of um, a lot of ways that emboli or blood clots can get up and cause strokes right so isn't it important when you're you were talking about taking these histories and I find that some chiros don't do a very thorough H&P 
histories and personals where they, they can go back and say, is stroke part of your family? What are some other questions in that in that opening H&P that you might ask as a Cairo to help drill down on, on preventing or looking and forecasting for something like that happening? Uh, there are a few items from the history that seem to increase a patient's potential risk of having the stroke. Uh, probably one of the biggest is if they have a history of one of the connective tissue disorders. These are inheritable conditions. Uh, there's a few that you should probably look for. Uh, one is uh, osteogenesis imperfecta. Uh, we learn in school, you know, we see these films and they're typically of these little babies with all of these fractures. It's a horrible, horrible condition, but that's not what the most common type of osteogenesis imperfecta is. You may have patients coming into your office who don't know that they have it. They may have a relatively mild case of it. Uh, another is Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And these are super flexi people and they have abnormal connective tissues. Uh, they tend to have easy bruising. They tend to uh, have a history of previous relatively minor trauma causing either uh, bruising or in some cases even broken bones. And the, f the third one is, um, is Marfan's uh, uh, a condition. That's the other one. So those are the three big connective tissue disorders that suggest the patient is at a higher risk of having one of these conditions. Bill, when you, um, well, that's when you, oh, sorry, sorry, Brad. No, that's what, go ahead, Jay, go ahead. So Bill, when, when we think of, yeah, I know there's a delay, sorry. So Bill, when we, um, when we think about these types of patients coming into our offices, they come in with neck pain, they come in with headaches. We've asked them, you know, uh, all these important historical questions around past history, family history, um, I'm, I'm just curious, is there anything else besides those questions? Is there anything else during the exam that can or should be done that can potentially identify whether or not this patient is at risk? Uh, Jay, you previously mentioned that when we were in school, we learned something called George's test. Mm -hmm. The idea of that was you have the patient standing, they, they would typically put their arms out in, in front of them, <coughs> excuse me, and then you have them rotate and extend their neck backwards and hold it. Depending on who you read, you're supposed to hold it anywhere from 30 seconds up to three minutes. Uh, unfortunately, a number of studies have come out that say that that's really not a useful test. So that's, <coughs> excuse me. So as much as we would like that test to be the answer to everything, unfortunately, it, it, it simply is not. Um, and again, going back, going back years ago, it was argued that if a chiropractor did adjust a patient's neck without doing the George's test first, they were violating the, the, the standard of care. They were uh, practicing yep. below the standard of care. Based on the more recent research, that, that really doesn't apply anymore. That is not something that we, we need to be doing. Uh, so, you know, given that, 
the other option is to routinely send every patient who walks into our office for a magnetic residence uh, 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 angiogram of all of their arteries, uh, which is expensive. It's a thousand to to two thousand uh, dollars. It takes takes up a lot of time. And even then, I think the diagnostic yield, the number of cases you would catch, are probably one out of maybe a hundred thousand patients that we see. So it just it just doesn't make sense to do that financially, logistically, anything else. So we're kind of stuck with just looking at the patient and kind of going by your guts based on uh, a good history, based on a quality exam. As I said, to a certain extent, that quality history and exam and documenting it will protect you from a certain extent when it comes to, to malpractice. I think we may be catching maybe some of these patients, but other than that, just be very, very, you know, very, very vigilant. And yeah, I guess I the, the biggest thing, the take home message that I would give to all of the chiropractors who are, are, are listening if you do have a patient who seems to have a negative reaction following a neck adjustment, so they're dizzy, they're lightheaded, maybe they can't stand up, they're nauseous, take a, a careful look at them. We all know that happens sometimes. Sometimes a patient sits up a little bit quickly. Sometimes they just get, get, get a little bit off. Uh, but take a good look at them. If they don't recover very quickly or if it is obviously a more serious complication if they if they begin slurring their speech they can't see properly if they really can't walk they need to go to the emergency department immediately you need to dial 911 and the worst thing you can do is readjust the patient please don't do that please 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 and i have seen legal cases and i think I know what the chiropractor was thinking. He adjusted the neck on the right. Patient says, oh, I don't feel so good, doc. And he thinks, I'll put it back. I'll adjust it from the left. <laughs> you're not putting it back. You're not putting it back. What you're probably doing is, if the patient actually had the dissection and you adjusted it one way, maybe you broke a tiny clot off on the right side, if you adjust them again on the left, you're not going to bring the clot back. You're much more likely to break off another clot another instead. Clot. So yeah. please don't readjust the patient if they have a bad reaction. Yeah, that's great, great advice. Um, when we get back from break, Brad, I would love to dive into the question that you alluded to earlier before our first break around why this is so sensationalized. So maybe we can get yeah. to that after this next break. Yeah, and, and really, I'd like to end up with some here here are ways to answer questions because there's going to be patients coming into offices yeah. that are going to be saying, hey, I read this in the news. I'm scared, and I'd like to come away with what, what our audience can do in those kind of situations. We'll be right back. You're listening to Tech Talk. Come on back. Spreading the love. You're listening to the Tech Slot. It's Tech Talk. Welcome to Infinity. We have worked hard to create an electronic claims website that is simple and user-friendly. This is the public side. You can log into your personal web portal here. 
this is your dashboard. You can personalize it to your liking here. Our main focus has been to allow you to submit and edit claims as easy as possible. You will find our claims editor and claims processing is simple to use and straightforward. Our quick action bar is where you can find your most important information. Most of these icons will take you directly to the claims the number represents. You can easily view if you have any messages in your inbox of any unread alerts by looking for these blue numbers. To view the rest of our training videos to get the most of your Infinity experience, click this icon. We hope you find this web portal simple and easy to use. Thanks for letting us serve you. With the hot data jocks of talk, Ooh. it's Tech Talk. And now to a tragic news story. We just learned that a chiropractor recently called his EHR company for help after being forced into yet another platform transition. And the wait times were so egregious the doctor died while on hold. Our sources tell us he was put on hold for over 176 hours. Apparently, the staff had left early to take advantage of all the extra fees they charge. Ever wonder where all those nickels and dimes go? Don't let this happen to you. PayDC offers its all-inclusive software for one low monthly fee, backed by a team that both respects and empowers chiropractors and their staff. Sign up for a free software demo below and see how Rebels do EHR. Starting your weekend outright with the data jocks of talk, it's TikTok. What's up, everybody? It's Dr. Jay here, and I am here with two very good friends, Mr. Brad Koss and Dr. Bill Loretti. Um, we are having a great conversation about the issue of chiropractic spinal adjustments, specifically cervical adjustments, and its impact or its relationship to um, to stroke. And you know, first, I, I think you know we're talking a lot about risk and malpractice, but at the end of the day, like our heart goes out to any individual, although very, very rare, any individual who's ever had an adverse reaction uh, post-adjustment. Um, you know, we're always, we're always putting the patient first, and I think that's really important. And that being said, we also know there's a whole nother world out foundationalism around this. And I have, a, I have a darker side to this. I still think this is partly because of what the AMA did you know, starting way back in the 40s and their their committee on quackery and trying to discredit the chiropractic profession because nobody's running around every time somebody has an adverse reaction to surgery and has a stroke or dies um, or medication use. But Bill, I, I would love to get, we would love to get your opinion on why you think um, this is so sensationalized. Well, I mean, I think there are some politics involved, you know, as much as you, you would wish that that wasn't the case, uh, we know that as practicing chiropractors, there's a certain element out there that simply does not like chiropractors. And it's somehow not even enough for them to say, well, chiropractic doesn't work. They, they, they feel compelled to go that step further. Not only mm -hmm. does chiropractic does not work, but it can actually do harm. It can actually hurt you. Uh, you know, and 
this is what they tend to focus on because quite frankly it's really the only way that chiropractors at least appear to truly hurt somebody you know yes sometimes people come to us and they have a herniated disc afterwards maybe in some cases there's uh, you know, there's fractures in, involved but this is just just seems like it's a whole lot more sensational as you would say uh versus kind of those you know versus those kind of kind of run of the mill types thing, type things i should also add that a, a few studies now have actually shown that patients who go to a chiropractor and have this type of stroke afterwards there's no greater odds of you uh, i'm sorry there the, this there's the same odds rather of a patient having this type of stroke after they've gone to a primary care doctor so if the neck adjustment was causing these strokes you wouldn't think that people would be having them following a visit to the chiro the, the primary care doctor presuming that most primary care doctors don't actually do any neck neck treatments the way that we do so statistically the odds are exactly the same of you having the stroke following a visit to a primary care doc versus following a visit to a doctor of chiropractic and now there's been i think about three or four different studies one uh, was done quite a few uh, years ago up in canada we've had now i think there's been three studies that have been done here in the u.s with different types of uh, of, of of patient populations medicare population private private health insurance population uh, so again, you don't hear about people having these strokes after they've gone to their family doctor, even though it's just as common. Uh, so there are clearly some politics in, in, involved with this. And unfortunately, I think that's one of the realities of just doing what we do. We, we have to face that in, 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 in some cases. Bill, I'm really dying to know. Oh, sorry, Brad. I just want to ask this question really quick. Bill, I'm dying to know, you know, you, you've been in many courtrooms. You, you've, you've had to testify, um, you know, under oath. I'm curious to know the look on people's faces in the jury or the judge or anybody else in the room for that matter, where you, where you make that statement. It was the Cassidy study that you referenced in Canada. And I know there are the other studies um, in the U.S. Like you make that statement. Are people looking at you like you're freaking crazy? Unfortunately, in, in in some cases, I think that's that's the case. That that's just something that has never entered their mind, and it can be a challenge, you know, kind of explaining this, you know. And I think you need to set to kind of set the table, and make them understand first what the mechanism is of this type of injury, and how it's caused, and how it takes place, and then it begins to make sense. Other, you know, otherwise. You know, they have this idea in, in, in their head that the chiropractor somehow ripped the patient's head off. And that's what's causing the, you know, blood spurting out of these uh, these arteries. Uh, so it takes a little bit of patience, I think, to explain that. And hopefully you have somebody with an open mind. And I've tried debating various, you know, chiro skeptics online. And you tend to not get very far because they, they, they just don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. Yep. You know, in all fairness, the uh, the national news article that I read that stimulated my my comments with Jay the other day uh, that brought you about being on the show was, the, in all honesty, they did go. If you read all the way through the article, they were pr pretty kind back to Kairos 
saying, you know, this can be genetic. There can be all these other reasons. They even cited the reason there was uh, many years ago, same thing happened. A lady had gone to a beauty shop and in the U-shaped washing bowl, uh, their neck had been pinched and had a stroke afterwards for the same situation. And that's the first time I've read these over the years. I read one a few years ago uh, from a medical examiner in New York where a patient actually had a stroke and died. And um, there was no forgiveness in it. And at least this time, this go around, they were truthful in the fact that this this can happen wherever you're at, in in your own bed, turning your head, getting it caught up in a pillow kind of scenario. So... But it was funny, all the posts after, it was an online article, again, 80% of them did not read all the way through the article to see that. It was just that, oh, that's why I wouldn't go to a Cairo. A lot of negativity. And that's what I'd like to come out of this podcast. You know, ultimately, are there is there literature that you could send me that I could cite on our Facebook page so doctors can refer to that? Are there things that a doctor can have in their office, literature-wise, brochure-wise, that explains that and help them get through these periods whenever this kind of thing happens in the media? Uh, Yes, I can send you some articles. I don't really know. I mean, there's none that I specifically recommend that's really more for the general public. Uh, I think that's something that, as uh, as doctors, that's kind of up to to us to educate. if you want, I can kind of, you know, get into some ideas of how you can respond to these questions. Yeah. Uh, so when a patient brings this up, uh, yeah, that'd be great. I think, you know, I think step one, we know that it's not a big risk, but the patient doesn't. So I think, you, you know, the tendency might be to blow it off or to do like a 15 second, oh, no, that doesn't happen, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I think we, we, we really need to kind of stop and give that question some credence and address it. As I say, you know, the science is on our side. The challenge is explaining it in a simple way so people can can understand. So I would point out, you know, very briefly talk about some of those studies that I've mentioned that show that anything that I can possibly do in the office to the vertebral artery puts no more stress on it than turning your head. You know, so the the artery cannot be dissected by anything that the chiropractor does. Secondly, point out that these are very, very rare types of of, of strokes. Um, All of the numbers that have estimated how common this happens, it's about one out of every 100,000 chiropractic patients. And that, by the way, is the same background incidence of this type of stroke. So if you're in a medium-sized city of 100,000 people, roughly one person in that city will have this type of stroke <laughs> each year just by what, you know, you know whatever cause uh, it is. So all, the, the incidence among chiropractic patients is the same as it is in the general public, which again shows that it's not really a causal thing. Uh, next, talk about again how what's probably you know, why this is linked toward the chiropractic neck treatment is because most of these people come into the chiropractor's office with neck pain. Some of them go to their family doctor's office with neck pain. Some of those, a small number of those two groups of people will have this type of stroke. If they had gone to the chiropractor, the chiropractor gets blamed. If they had gone to the family doctor, 
nobody seems to pay attention to it, you know? Uh, and again, don't blow this off. I think we should, one of the things that I think as chiropractors we should say more of is that, of course, we want to do good by people and we don't want to hurt people. That's the most important thing. I think Dr. J said it, uh, but somehow that can get lost in this whole thing. You know, I, uh, and again, some of the comments that you may have seen on these articles, they're just saying chiropractors don't care, they, uh, you know, all, all this other stuff. And I, I think we have to say that we have to say that more often. Uh, the next issue to bring up is the effectiveness of what we do. And I think a lot of chiropractors don't say this enough, that what a typical chiropractor does with a patient who has neck pain is at least as effective as anything else that you can possibly do. It's as effective as any, any treatment you're going to get in your family doctor's office, as any treatment a physical therapist, massage therapist will do. So it is as effective as anything, probably more effective than most. And in many cases, the risks of kind of the mainstream treatment are higher than the risk of what we're doing. For example, nonsteroidal anti-inflammatories, probably the number one treatment that these patients will get in their, in, in, in their family doctor's office. Some 16,500 people die every year from bleeding ulcers caused by a nonsteroidal anti-inflammatory. People don't know that, right? So again, these are powerful drugs. They're commonly used. They have a place, but they're not without risk. They have risk too. Final point, we're trained to recognize these risk factors as well as we can be. We've talked about how these risk factors are not always clear cut, but you know, as, as practicing doctors, we're trained to recognize people who are coming to us at risk and we're as likely to identify these these people as being at at risk as any primary care doc would, would would be. So those are kind of the three points that I would make. Again, overall safety, it's rare. Second, uh the overall effectiveness of what we do, and third, the training and the way that we can can recognize risk factors. And I want to throw in from the previous ep- uh segment. Do your H&Ps well document 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 uh absolutely you know that's that's the saving grace on most things that happen in office and unfortunately not always uh our great charting this great charting occur and great h and p's but i think uh, those are really critical things that that kairos all doctors need to do not just kairos that's just great medicine well it, yes it, it is brad but you know i'll say one thing one of the reasons i think that as chiropractors, we tend to maybe get a little lazy when, when that comes to that, is that what we do is so intrinsically safe, we tend to be able to get away with it most times, with it. right? So we, we get away with it until we don't, you know? So that's so, almost the downside of the fact that what we do is so safe. We're not as hypervigilant uh, by uh, of being careful, you know, we're not constantly thinking, oh, I, oh, I can get sued for this. I can get sued for this. And in most cases, you know, you can go through an, an entire career. One study found that one out of 40, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. One out of 45 chiropractors who practice uh, in a 40 year long career will ever encounter one of these cases where the patient having a stroke. So I teach 
my students, we, we, we spend four hours on, on, on this topic in class. And I say that if I taught at a medical school and spent four hours talking about something that one person statistically in this class will ever see, they would right. kick me the hell out, right? Right. <laughs> right. But we have yeah. to. It's the one thing that we have to, to talk about and defend and, and, and be ready to, 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 to discuss. I have to say a couple of things. First, first, I just want to remind the audience while we're talking about a, a wide variety of topics here, um, you know, to, to, to Bill's point, it's so rare, but every patient matters. And so when you're in front of them, pay fucking attention, like just pay attention because that is a human life in front of you and it matters. Um, the second thing that I would also offer and Bill, like your, your three categories of of explaining this to patient was just so well constructed. I would just, I would just also encourage the audience to add a, a pre-statement of empathy, something to the effect of, I hear what you're saying and I understand. Now let me share with you the following. Um, because I, patients don't want to be dismissed. No, humans, forget patients. Humans don't want to be dismissed. And so the opportunity to connect with them and say, I hear you, I understand. Let me share with you the facts. Um, I think will get you um, get you really, really, really far. Um, and and again, lastly, I just want to say, I've never been in one of your classes, Bill. But now I'm kind of pissed that I haven't been because what a great <laughs> teacher you are. And and just uh, it, there's a little joke here. I don't know if you know this, but when I went to interview for chiropractic colleges, um, the first school I went to interview for was New York, and they basically looked at my transcripts. And she looked up at me and she looked at my transcript and she looked at me. And she's like, I don't think you're chiropractic school material. <laughs> and they wouldn't let me in. I didn't get in. So, um, so I ended up going to national, you know, uh, but it was all good. Everything worked out, but you know, may maybe sometime soon I'll come up and take a class because I would love to just, I love to just listen to you teach. You're great. Please do Jay. You're, you're, you're welcome anytime now. Now that I I know you, we will forgive your transcript. My grades. I, 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 you get a special excuse, a special a special dispensation. You can come by my class anytime, Jim. Thank you, brother. Appreciate Dude, that. Dude, I got to tell you, I just locked that away in my brain. That's going to come back out somewhere where you and I are talking, Jay. Sure, man. Happy to share that story. Yeah, that's no. I think that's great. Hey, this has been a great episode. Uh, not only Amazing. did it do what I w wanted it to do, it, it came out just exactly the way I thought it would. It's been very informative. And I, I know the audience out there has got to be worried about patients coming in and asking those questions and how to respond to that. Hopefully this may give them some subject matter or points uh, to have the correct conversation with and help alleviate those fears because it is all about patient safety. Yeah. Yep. Well, gentlemen, I appreciate you today. Uh, Dr. Laurette, thank you for joining us and spending the last hour with us and, and your academic knowledge, your individual knowledge, and everything that you've given us today. Jay, I hope you have a great fun weekend. I, I, uh, it sounds like you're around a, a great group of guys. I know you enjoy doing that. And uh, I look forward to being around you in the next few weeks. We've got. Uh, we got national coming up next month, and uh, Big event. we're going to have a great time there also. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah. From my co-host, Dr. Jay Greenstein, I'm Brad Cost. Have a good day. See y'all. Listen to the future of healthcare with the data jocks of talk. It's Tech Talk.